Merry Christmas. Quick show of hands. How many of you are really excited for Christmas in two days? Raise your hand. Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay. That's good. That's good. Now, second question. How many of you are even just, let's be honest, this is church, right? Are a little bit excited for Christmas to be over. You might have just raised your hand. Th thank you. Some people are raising. Keep your hands up. This is good. This is this is cathartic. I think. Um, yeah. How many of you kind of wish, like, as much as you like Christmas, not that you don't like Christmas, but like you're kind of ready for Christmas to be over? Just raise your. Hand. See, this is good. Yeah, I'm raising my hand with you, as well. See, Christmas is kind of one of those times of years that that is. We we call this between two worlds because you can feel like you're caught between two worlds during Christmas. You feel this joy, and yet you feel this, this like, somberness a little bit. Maybe you're thinking about who's coming and who you've invited, and yet who's not going to come or who is going to come, and that makes you a little bit anxious. Uh, maybe you're thinking about all the – it's a time of year where we think about all the things that we're, we might receive, and yet it's a time of year where we might think to ourselves about the things we're never going to have and never going to get. It can be this kind of sordid time of year. It can be a time where you feel like you're between two worlds, and that's why we called this series that. I found a quote this week from the ever-wise and ever-honest Charlie Brown that I want to read for you this morning. Let's do this in the spirit. I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that. But I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. And if you feel like Charlie Brown this morning, I'm really glad you came to church. I've been thinking about you all week um, because it's easy to feel down this time of year. Um, Christmas has a way of exaggerating the things that are not right in our lives, um, and maybe for some of you, maybe you normally really like Christmas, but something is wrong this year, something's different this year, you're losing, you lost someone, um, you're grieving something, you're facing something, and that's making Christmas difficult. Again, if that's you, I, I raise my glass of eggnog to you this morning, and I'm glad you came to church. We're going to talk about, to end this series, Between Two Worlds, I want to talk about facing dark times, facing dark places, uh, dark nights of the soul, facing depression uh, and those low times. And the, the thing about feeling that way, the, the, those dark times, it can become this vicious cycle. There's time, maybe you felt this before, where it's like, I should be happy. Like you look around you and you've got your kids and you've got this stuff and you've got the people that surround you and you, there's a big voice in, in you saying, I, I should be happy, but I'm just not happy. That's what I want to talk about today is when we're feeling down like this, and, and, and a lot of times it can make things, you know, it, it's a vicious cycle. You start thinking that, you're like, I should be happy, but I'm not, and so you feel bad, you feel worse. And here's what I want to establish right in the beginning, right at the outset, okay? Each of us will face times of self-doubt. Every single one of us in life, we will have to face times where we don't like ourselves, where, where things are gloomy, when things are dim, when um, we don't like being ourselves, and we feel caught between these two worlds. And I just wanted to kind of say that in the outset, because, because a lot of times when you're feeling that way, when you're feeling down, you feel like you're the only one down, right? 
you look around and everybody else is happy and they love Christmas and, you know, everything's going great, but you don't feel that way. You go on Facebook, you go on Instagram, and, and that, that, that stuff's really good for showing our highlights. And what, when we show, what, what happens is when, when we're looking at other people's highlights, we look at our low reels. And it brings us down even more potentially. And, and here's what I want us to see is all of us have that. All of us have that in our hearts to some degree. Um, it might differ in its nature, in its severity, in its length, in its source of where it comes from. But all of us face that. To, to prove the point, I, I, I did a little bit of a Google search on just celebrities and famous people that have struggled with depression. And put, go ahead and put those names up. Check out this list. Abe Lincoln, Josh Groban, Carrie Fisher, Winston Churchill, Ellen DeGeneres, Brad Pitt, Isaac Newton, J.K. Rowling, Johnny Depp, Harrison Ford, Eminem, Jim Carrey, Dolly Parton, Michael Phelps, Owen Wilson, Van Gogh, Mo Mozart, Charles Darwin, Charles Spurgeon, Charles Dickens. <laughs> I don't know about you, but like that list messes with me. That doesn't make sense because if they can't be like I, they're like, what? How does that happen? These are people who have done great things, seen great things, and see when we here. Here's the thing: when we're not feeling great about ourselves, when when we are down, it's not that we don't think happiness is impossible. We just question whether it's possible for us. Y you know, it's not that. It's not like somebody can be happy. It's just I, I'm not sure I can be happy with what I have. And, and then we start to think next. We're like, but if I, if I was them, I'd be able to be happy. If I was skinny like them, if I was on stage like them, if I had the life that they have, if I was rich like them, if I could be like them, then I think I'd have a chance of being happy. And here's the point. This is the them. That's them. And they are not happy. And again, I bring this up just to kind of level the playing field. Because when you're not happy, when you're dark, when you're feeling, it gets lonely and you start to think, I'm the only one. And it's just not true. It's everybody. It's a human condition. All of us will have to face dark times, dark places in our lives. And that's why I want to talk about it today. I feel really compelled to say I really don't want to preach this sermon. Like I really, I actually tried to get out of it a bunch of ways in the last couple months. And it's like, no, I'm supposed to do this. And the reason why, the reason why I don't want to preach this sermon is I have to face a lot of my own fears to preach this sermon. Like honestly, I, the biggest fear I have is I, I feel like with a sensitive topic like this, I'm going to do more harm than good. I'm not a psychologist. I, like, I don't know, I, like, I, I barely know how to take care of my own problems and, my, and face my own darkness. And I'm like, why, so why am I getting up on stage talking about this to my friends? But I still felt like I was supposed to do, I, I, was, I was afraid that my fear is I might do more harm than good, that I might somehow inadvertently minimize people's pain and then push them further into it. Uh, like, I'm also, on the other side, I'm afraid that, like, some of you are going to be like, yeah, I don't struggle with that, and you're just going to start counting the rafters or something like that. And then here I am up here preaching 
this, you know, irrelevant sermon on, you know, Christmas, and you're all here, and then the next thing I thought was like, and then I looked down, I'm in my, my boxers only, I'm naked, you know, like that, that, that dream, I have that dream. But that, here's the other reason why I resisted, I didn't want to preach this, is because I felt like if I was going to preach about helping you to face your dark times, I should be really, really honest with some of my own. And that wasn't all that comfortable for me. That I'd have to share with you the nights that I stay up most of the night watching TV that I'm really not all that interested in. And I'm watching it not because I can't fall asleep, but because I don't want to go to bed. Because then I'm going to have to face the next day. I'd have to tell you about whole days in my office when I do nothing but play games and surf the internet because of self-doubt and because I'm scared and because I'm overwhelmed by what God has called me to do. And I don't have what it takes that day to do it. And then I have to put a smile on my face and go pick up my kids at school and drive home and, and hope that Christy's not going to ask, how was your day, Amy? You know, because she's working hard and I wasn't. And then I have to struggle with how honest am I going to be about that. I'd have to share with you guys and tell you about this nasty tendency that I have to draw my worth from what I'm doing right this moment. That I, there's really early on when we started Colorado Life Church, I noticed this correlation of good Sundays equals good, good Mondays. You know, if I felt good about my sermon, I've had a good week, but if I felt bad about it, it meant to be a dark week. I don't like that. But that's the truth. And as I was writing some of this down, I realized I became more and more compelled that I needed to share this with you. Because I realized that I've come to learn something in those dark times. In facing those dark times myself, there's a really important lesson that I've learned that I want to share with you. And it's this. This, is, this might be the big idea for today. It's this. Darkness doesn't disqualify. See, what I've learned for myself is my darkness doesn't disqualify me from being this and doing this. God has been gracious with me. God has allowed me to still, he still brings light into my life. He still pours love on me. Even though, like, there's times where I'm in darkness, where I, do, I doubt myself, but that darkness doesn't disqualify me from him working in me. And through me, and because my darkness doesn't disqualify me, I believe that your darkness doesn't disqualify you. I believe that with every fiber of my being this morning. If your darkness doesn't disqualify you from God's light, from his love, and from his calling on your life. I was thinking about it this week. I was thinking, I don't know what you think of when I say the Bible. Um, and, and if you've spent time reading it or if you know much about it. But can I just say this? I was thinking about this week that, that the Bible is really just a rich history of people who are barely believe in God and rarely believe in themselves. <laughs> you know, like, like we put the people on the Bible on a pedestal. Like there, there's the celebrities we just looked at. There's, there's celebrities in the Bible that went through some really dark times. Moses, when God was trying to re 
recruit Moses. He was hiding out in the desert because he was wanted by the Cairo Police Department for murder. <laughs> and God came to him and said, Moses, I, I want you. Which, I mean, can you imagine if God came to you and said, I want you. <laughs> Nor, I want you to, you know, we're together. You know, like, I, th- I would hope that I would rise to that occasion, but not Moses. He's like, no, you don't want me. And if, you, if you've read that story, you know it takes him chapters to talk him into being his man. <laughs> but God didn't give up because Moses' darkness did not disqualify him. Elijah was my favorite as a kid. He was, uh, the, he was this bold dude who was able to take on all these priests, these Baal priests, 800 strong, mocking them to their face calling fire from heaven, and after he did that, he runs in front of a chariot faster than a horse. God comes on him and does all these cool things, and then all of a sudden this woman says, I'm going to kill you. He's like, ah! And he runs away. (laughs) I always thought that was pathetic when I read that as a kid. (laughs) Like, seriously, Elijah? And God comes to him, he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, I want to die. Like, what's recorded next? Very, very detailed in the Bible, in the book of 1 Kings, is this depressive, suicidal episode. And, and God does not say, well, I guess I'm going to go find somebody else. He's like, no, 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 Elijah. And he ends up speaking to him tenderly in a whisper. Elijah. Because his darkness did not disqualify him. David, one of, one of the darkest, some of the darkest words in the entire Bible are recorded by a guy named David. Um, in the book of Psalms, and they're gut-wrenching, they're doubt-filled. If you've read those before, you, you're like, can you say that? <laughs> can you say that to God or about God? And yet, David was considered a man over, after God's own heart. His darkness did not disqualify. I could go on, I could talk about Jeremiah, I could do all these things. That, and here's my point. Their darkness didn't make God squeamish. Neither does yours. The darkness in your life does not make God squeamish. And honestly, this is where my message gets Christmassy. Because I, you know, we've got all those examples from the Old Testament and of you know, God going to people in dark times. But the most um, profound thing that, G- that God did to prove that his dark, that our darkness doesn't scare him as he invented Christmas. <laughs> he, he, Christmas is the time of year where God would take on flesh and enter that darkness. This, this is the time of year when God sends his son into the world for the purpose of bringing light to the dark world to do something about it, to put an end to it, to wage war against it. Jesus and, and Jesus would enter this world and it was dark and it was cold. And even as a helpless babe, the events surrounding his birth would tell about this struggle between light and darkness. You know, like he's born in the stable at night and there's this bright star in the sky. And the shepherds are tending their flocks by night and all of a sudden a whole host of angels come and shine on them. Darkness and light, even after Jesus was born, he would be chased around. Herod would get jealous that there's another king. 
and he would send his army to kill all of the baby boys in that area chasing after Jesus. It was dark world that Jesus entered into. When Jesus became a man and he went public with his campaign to kill darkness, he said this in John 8, verse 12. He made this declaration. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Please, don't let those words pass you. Like, I can't even imagine words so bold coming out of my my mouth. Let me read those again. He's saying, I am the light of the whole world. Dude, can you imagine a guy telling you that? You're like, "Eh, I'll see you later. You would walk away from that. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness again. I have come to kill darkness, but will have the light of life. And honestly, when he said things like this, I feel like he took the gloves off. And he, in his ministry, he went around and the blind, the blind started to see light, literally. The, the infirmed could no longer stay sick while he was around. The outcast found a place to belong in him. He brought light into their dark world. People with dark stories would flock to this man who was light, who said, I am the light. And if death, and it was as if death and darkness were losing its grip on the world, one room at a time, one town at a time as Jesus entered it. But that was met with resistance for sure. Darkness would not go down without a fight, right? There were some that had darkness in their hearts that did not take kindly to this man of light and they resolved to kill him. And they found it, figured out a way that carefully and cautiously and just at the right time arrested him, falsely convicted him, and had him crucified. And I don't know if you remember this from, from like when Jesus was on the cross, like if, if you're familiar with the story. But there's something kind of strange that happened while Jesus was on the cross. It was in the middle of the day, and it became dark. Like, like as if there was this cosmic battle going on between light and darkness when Jesus was on the cross. As if to say that all the light, and, and as he died, it was as if to say, like, all the light that this man had brought into the world was now snuffed out. It didn't work. He, he, he took up arms against darkness, but darkness prevailed. That's what it felt like on that Friday afternoon when Jesus was crucified. That's what his followers were feeling. Because the reality is, yes, he had healed a lot of people, but those people would go on to die. They wouldn't stay alive forever, and neither would Jesus. He was dead. <laughs> And then came dawn on the third day. Then came, this is such poetic justice. Like, like darkness filled the day on Friday, but then on Sunday morning at dawn, he raises again. Can you imagine what the uh, sunrise looked like that morning? Like, like, I mean, the sunrise is a lot of more, they're beautiful. God couldn't help but show off on that morning, I bet. The day his son rose from the dead. And he, he had done what he had 
foretold he would do. This is in Isaiah chapter 25. It says this. This is God talking about his, his savior, about Jesus someday. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people. Isn't that a cool imagery? The sheets that cover all the nations in darkness. He would swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people from disgrace from all earth. The Lord has spoken. <laughs> He'd swallow up death forever. He'd swallow up death with victory is another translation of that. See, through Jesus, God found a way to undo death and undo darkness. And that's why God, that John, when he wrote about Jesus, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that, that, that in him was light. And in, that light was a light to all men. And it shines in the darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it. See, darkness is real. It just doesn't win because of what Jesus did on that Sunday morning when he defeated it. But it begs the question, then why are things so dark now? Have you ever thought that? If you've thought that you're, it's not like, bad, like that's a, that's a good question to ask. I've thought it myself. Like, okay, if, if you've defeated darkness, why is it so dark? And the answer is this. It's because right now we live between two worlds. We are living between two worlds. We are living in a world that is already but not yet. It is all, the, the war has already been won, and yet the battle still prevails. This is honestly, like, this is a good thing to, to recognize because it can, it can get confusing, right? Like, I don't understand why this is happening if God is in control. And the reality is, is because we're living between two worlds. Um, I brought this up the first week that, that we started this. It's, it's kind of like... Um, when D-Day happened, 1944, um, June 6, 1944, and the Allied forces stormed the banks of Normandy and, and the, the French coast, and it was a decisive victory, right? They, they broke the spine of, of, the, of the Nazi army there, and they won. And it really was a turning point in the war, right? And they would go on to win. But, but the reality is they had just, for those soldiers, <laughs> they had just won the war, and yet the the battles still kept coming, didn't they? For them boys, they wouldn't go home for almost a year later until V-Day, Victory Day, Victory in Europe Day. I think it was May 8th, 1945. You see, you see the, the tension. You see the, like, yes, we're winning, but my, my buddies are dying. <laughs> That's the world we live in. That's the world you and I, we're between two worlds, a world where God is our sovereign Lord, and yet darkness still prevails in my life and yours. And see, here's the thing, we need to keep fighting, but what, I, what I'm trying to get us to see here today is, is when we're facing this darkness, what we need to do is we need to keep fighting. We can't. Stop fighting. 
And because, and listen, listen, this is so important. Just because we're in darkness doesn't mean that God has forsaken us. Just because we're in darkness doesn't mean that God isn't with us. He is, he is with us. He joined the fight 2,000 years ago in the manger. And it continues today. And he's, he's asking, and that fight took him all the way to death on a cross. That's our Savior. That's your hero. And we're to be like him. We're to join the fight against darkness. Honestly, if I, I, it's really all I want for you today. I, I, can't, I can't fix your darkness. I, that was why I was so intimidated to preach this. Like, I, what, what can I offer? What can I, like, what, I, what can I do to help? I know what a lot of us are facing. What can I do? What I can do today is I can encourage you to keep at it. Keep fighting. We have a really cool um, opportunity this morning to hear from, from a friend of ours. Uh, one of the things, we, we've done a couple of different things in this series, Between Two Worlds. Um, we play with fire. We do this stuff with candles each week. And that's been really, really cool. I, it sounds funny, but like it's been really, really a cool exercise like where we um, light a candle for peace and, and it's some things that don't make sense in our lives and, and, and kind of light a, a prayer for that. Um, and then we've also been hearing stories from, from old, you know, from, from the Bible, but then we're also listening to stories from us and, and video testimonies of people who are um, making sense of life. And this morning, we have a chance to hear from Vivian, who is someone who's, who's right in, is fighting to let Jesus bring light into her life during a dark time in her life. Um, and we got to film that this week, and I'm really, really excited for you to watch that. So let's, let's watch that this morning. It was a night in June that it hit, and um, um, yeah, so it wasn't like something, an event happened. Um, everything was great with my family. I absolutely loved my life. Um, and then it was just very, very different. I feel like the depression stole me from my life. And oftentimes the phrase that I use is I, I feel robbed. I tell that to my husband a lot because um, I had a, a life that I love. I loved so much and I had a husband and kids that I was so passionate about and all of a sudden I couldn't feel that. I couldn't feel the good anymore. I could only feel the darkness. position literally in my bedroom on the floor just begging God to show up and take it away and it didn't come in that moment I didn't feel an immediate relief I think in the beginning when it when everything kind of first hit the fan I kept hoping that I would wake up and be different and that it would just all be gone. And then day after day, it wasn't different. And I was praying harder than I had ever prayed. And um, 
and it wasn't getting better and some days it got really really bad or and worse and um that can be hard to hold on to your hope and wondering like is this my new life like is this going to be forever as far as putting yourself out there in the middle of a dark place i think that can be hard especially in our society everybody wants to be okay and especially if you love Jesus everything's supposed to be okay but that was never promised to us in fact he says in this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world and so I've just given myself the freedom to let people know I'm not okay and that's okay it's okay to not be okay one phrase that kind of gets on my nerves when people say it is, you have to accept your new normal, because for me, I'm a fighter, and I would have never described myself as a fighter before, but now I'm ready to kick some butt. And so there's a story in the Old Testament about Jacob fighting with what is supposedly an angel of the Lord. It's not really clear who this man was, but he was fighting in the middle of the night when it was dark, which is oftentimes when we have to fight in our darkness and he wouldn't stop until he got his blessing. And so I refuse to stop and allow this to be my new normal. I'm gonna fight until I get that blessing from the Lord. And I know that he can, he can change me. He created my brain, he made my mind, and I know that he can step in and rewrite that, those, my brain and my story. Um, and so I'm fighting, but also in that story, it says that Jacob walked away with his blessing, but also a limp. And so I do know that I'll never not know the darkness now that I've seen it. This isn't the journey that I wanted at all, but I'm going to accept the journey and fight the darkness. I'm not accepting my new normal because I'm gonna come out of it and take a brighter light to people who are in the middle of that darkness. If you're in a dark place right now, let others in because sometimes they can bring the light that you can't see and they can give you the hope um, that you might not be feeling in the moment. I know that I have friends that I can call in the middle of the night and say, not okay, I need prayer right now and they're gonna do that and you have that too because I am confident there are people in this room that would be that lifeline for you and sometimes that's all it takes is one text or phone call to just say, I'm not okay and you've got people that are gonna be praying for you. Surround yourself with scripture, put it around your home, put it on your mirrors, put it on your walls, throw up the poster boards. It's um, super helpful. If I'm having a bad day, it's just helpful for me to walk by and be like, oh my gosh, he who started a good work is faithful to complete it. Like he's not gonna leave me hanging and that's straight out of his word. That's a promise, that's a truth. But that applies to me on a Wednesday when I'm having a sucky day. And so I, I cling to that hope that he can show up for me and that he will show up because he's a God of his word. He's a God of his promise. Just clinging to the hope that there's another side because it can, it can feel really stuck when you're stuck. Once. Are you so proud of me? I'm I'm good. Good. I, I, I honestly any... can't. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And that's the end. And that's a wrap. <laughs> I want to help you pick a fight today. I, I want to help you make a stand. If you're facing dark times, if you're in a dark place, I want to give you an opportunity to fight that. We're going to do it together. In a second here, a whole bunch of phenomenal Christmas music is about to be played and sung, and we get to sing that together. 
during that time, yeah, some of you are really excited about that. During that time, at your own leisure, feel free to, to go to the back there. There's, there's candles, there's an advent wreath. There's candles that can be lit. And what I want that candle to symbolize today, it can, it can symbolize whatever you want for, for you today, but what I would suggest or what I would encourage you to do is make that candle a declaration. <laughs> make it a declaration of war. Saying, I'm going to do something to step out of darkness this morning. I, I, I want to do, like for some of us, we are, our, our darkness has isolated us. And in order to dispel darkness, it means we need to walk towards community. And so maybe for you, it's, it's, the, um, it's the idea of, of bringing a friend into what you're struggling with right now. Like, like, like asking someone to meet with you on a regular basis just to talk. Maybe it's joining a life group, which is something we do here in homes. Um, it, we'll start a new batch of them in, in January. Maybe it's uh, going, like, honestly, this sounds funny because I'm a pastor. Come to church, like, a lot. Like, maybe you commit, hey, next year I'm going to try to come to church more. I'm going to try to come to church 50% of the time. Honestly, let that just cast light into your darkness because we're here with you. We're here every Sunday. Maybe for some of us, we have secret sins. There is nothing more toxic than secrets. There are things, and that, honestly, one, one or two of those can plunge us further and further into darkness. And so maybe for you, as you light that candle, that's you committing to, to confess your sins to a friend, to somebody, to, to no longer let that be darkness in your heart. It's a powerful thing. Maybe for you, you believe lies about yourself, and so in order to dispel darkness, you need to pull a Vivian and you need to just put scripture all over the place. You don't know some, come talk to me. Call a friend who does. And write that stuff everywhere. So that it reminds you of who you are and who God is. Maybe for some of us, you know, like, we know, maybe for some of us, honestly, I want to put this option out there. Because I think it's important. Maybe some of us, we're thinking about somebody else right now who's really in a dark time. And maybe we light a candle for them this morning. Resolving to do something about that. To reach out to them. Somebody, maybe somebody did that for you in your point of darkness. Maybe that somebody came and brought light into your darkness at one point in time. Pay that forward. Light a candle for them and commit to going to them. And then lastly... Like, I can't talk about Christmas and I can't talk about what God has done for us without saying, maybe for you, you need to light a candle to say, God, I want to come to your side. I want to come to your light. Because the reality is, a life apart from God is a light of darkness. A lot, for some of us, the darkness is really confusing. And what we didn't know is we've just been resistant to God's love his grace, and his presence in our lives. And that has caused us. We've, try, we've tried to do, uh, we do this all the time. We try to do life on our own, but we can't, we, the, the glove can't do life apart from the hand. The painting, the painting, it's difficult for the painting to make sense of itself without the artist. 
And for some of us, maybe lighting that candle. And I can't think of a better time of year to do it than right now. Jesus, is, you, This is the best pre- birthday present you can give to Jesus is yourself. <laughs> Light a candle and say, I, I, I trust you, Lord. I hand myself to you. I hand my darkness to you. And I'm stepped into your light. It can mean a lot of things for us today. But in, if, you, if you want, take the time to light a candle, to bring light into your darkness, to declare light into your darkness. What a good day it's been. Christmas is awesome. We get to celebrate this together. You'll see a progression in the songs where the songs really tell the story of Christmas. And they go from, from solemn to joy. And I hope that same thing happens in your heart and in your spirit this morning as we sing. Let's stand, and I'm going to say a prayer for us.